Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. We're coming to you this week from York Harbor in almost two quick, the Bay of Islands. Traditional and unceded. Mi'kmaq territory. There are those who slag Halibut for acting more like a corporation than a First Nation. We'll leave the debate about that for another time. But good bean counting pays off. Based in part on effective financial management, Halibut is expected to move to a new funding arrangement with the Government of Canada. Currently, funding flows once a year and according to strict amounts set out in specific line items post-secondary education funding, medical travel, etc. In the new arrangement, Halibut will make its own decisions about how to spend its money, and amounts will be guaranteed for 10 years. It's an important milestone for Halibut, a step on the way to self-government. I spoke to band manager Keith Golding about the new model. I first asked him about how the band currently spends the $10 million a year that comes from the feds and flows through Halibut's doors. The spend is probably much larger in Halibut than 10 million. It's probably closer to 20. But what you don't see are, are um, costs from NIHB coverage that we don't manage. So we're managing transportation only. So medi- prescription medication, eyeglasses, uh, all those other costs that Health Canada manages directly, that's not incorporated in our budgets in any way. Right. So it's a little larger than that, but yes, in terms of what we manage in the building, about $10 million a year. And the education funding itself, does does it go through you or... Uh, does the funding go from someone else to the student? No, this funding comes to us. We have a contribution agreement, an annual contribution agreement from the federal government, from ISC, Indigenous Services Canada, and then we manage that. We pay it out of our offices here, so the money comes directly from Halibu to the membership. There is education and health, and what, uh, what are the other things on which you spend money? We get core funding for uh, lands and economic development strategic partnerships and, and uh, funds for there. So any monies that we use to develop uh, tourism strategies or uh, entrepreneurial support or um, economic development initiatives within the band go through an LEDSP funding program and funding initiative. That, that's an annual proposal-based uh, uh, funding that we do. And in addition to that, we have Service Canada educational funds and, and labor market funds around wage subsidies and things of that nature. That's not through Indigenous Services Canada. That's through Service Canada, HRSDC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have the medical transportation through NIHB, uh, uniquely medical transportation. It's the only thing we're taking on just yet. And we also get funding, core funding for uh, Indian registration administration, so band card uh, administration here within, within the band. And... Uh, band support, so the running on the day-to-day operations of the band. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, I guess uh, a lot of money in the past number of years have been spent on the enrollment process, uh, various people doing uh, work on that. Is that reflected in the statements we see online, or does that, that information is, is elsewhere and the funding flows elsewhere? Yeah, no, that fund's separate completely. That fund, and because the agreement, in principle, was not signed by Halibut, because Halibut hadn't been formed. So the, the signatories are the Federation of Newfoundland Indians and the Canada, government of Canada. 
So the Federation of Newfoundland Indians works and, and, and still exists only to administer that file. So I do manage, I put in a proposal every year to fund the, all the activities of enrollment through the FNI. Um, and then we, we run that budget, but it's an FNI budget. And that's, I think uh, it's been uh, usually around about probably three quarters of a million dollars a year. But that pays for a salary of the enrollment committee members, for travel for meetings, for uh, communications activities, just various activities, uh, legal costs, legal, legal fees, um, all those things are all factored into that. Uh, we've talked about um, the current arrangement, and uh, I would think most, uh, what is, uh, what percentage of your total revenue comes from the feds? Is it probably about 90% uh, or in thereabouts that comes, that comes from um, Ottawa? Yeah, I, I think that's fairly, I think 90% is probably, I'm a mathematician, you'd think I would be interested in that statistic, but I haven't calculated out the percentages. Uh, I mean, 100% of what the band um, uses in terms of its operations come out of government funds. Um, own source revenue, generally we use for future economic development and we donate to uh, to pay it forward, I guess, to use the, use the chief's uh, terminology. Uh, to the communities, so we do that quite regularly. So you'll see um, donations that we may make, contributions we make towards powwow, towards Maui's and Central Newfoundland, uh, towards the Cultural Foundation. Those things come from our own source revenue, but in terms of all the other programs, 100% of that money comes from mm -hmm. the government. And of course, the way um, the way it works now is that uh, the money you get from uh, that you get for. Uh, education can't be spent on other purposes. Um, so even if you uh, overspend on one item and you have money left over in another item, you can't transfer back and forth. And under the new arrangement, that's all going to change. So tell us how things would work in the new arrangement with the uh, Government of Canada. Well, the Government of Canada seems to be taking on the moniker, or, or the, not the moniker, I'm sorry, but the, the mandate of uh, Minister Philpott has kind of engaged her department to back off and let First Nations uh, self-govern and self-realize their own, their own opportunities. So uh, she wants to support, be supportive, but not be in the way of the advancement of Indigenous groups. Very forward-thinking. I was glad to hear those words. Um, so what they've done is, I guess, in recognition of some of the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's recommendations, is they're trying to develop a more nation-to-nation -nation relationship where nations are more self-governing. Nations set their own criteria, set their own agendas, set their own plans and progress, and then manage their money themselves. So you're right. Uh, historically, we have individual pockets of money. They're very specific and targeted around what you can spend them on, and you can't move from one to another readily. There, you, there is some opportunities, I guess, to move around uh, some funds, but not much. You have to, you have to not really that much. What they have allowed a little more frequently, especially as our risk ratings drop, as we are seen as being one of the lowest risk First Nations in Canada, that affords us some flexibility. So they say, okay, if you haven't quite spent all your PSSSP money in, in one fiscal year, uh, PSSSP is the post-secondary student support program. So that's right. the money for education. Mm -hmm. So if we, are, if we haven't spent $10,000, if we realize $10,000 of savings at the end of the fiscal year, we're allowed to carry that forward into the next fiscal year and use it. So we are allowed to carry forward a little bit in each with a certain percentage within each within each budget, but you can't slide it around from budget to budget. And when this new arrangement is in place, will it mean that you'll get a check once a year from the federal government for whatever it is, ten million dollars to spend according uh, to your wishes? 
Yes, that's exactly right. And, and actually, when you say a check every year, that's an important distinction. Right now, today, our funding arrangements are annual, so every year we get told what our next year's spending is going to be. This proposed system lets us get a lump sum based on what we're going to spend over 10 years. So every year you'll get your allocation, but you know 10 years out, you have a 10-year funding agreement, so you know year over year what your budget is going to be. So you can plan for the next 10 years. Whereas now, I can only plan one year at a time, truly. Because hmm. uh, it's always dependent on that budget allocation. And then you'll be able to get the targeted money, so you get your money, let's say, to use your numbers and our historical numbers, let's say it's $10 million. We could take that money and then and develop programs as we choose, whatever our necessities are, as long as they're within normal government spending. So I can't take it and buy a fire truck if I don't have access to the funds for unreserved housing or unreserved uh, operations and maintenance, which would allow me to buy a fire truck. Helbert doesn't have that. So I can't just go unilaterally buy a fire truck for a community of Lark Harbor hmm. uh, with that fund. I have to spend it on eligible programs. So the, where we focus the money really won't change, but there's flexibility in how we can target the use of the money and planning over a multi-year and moving funds from one budget to another. Well, I was going to ask you about that because um, uh, from your point of view of running the band, uh, it would be a great thing to be able to make your own decision making, but I can hear people out there saying, well, uh, how are they going to spend this money? Is the band manager going to increase his salary by double his salary? Are they be going to having the council meetings in, in the Caribbean? So what uh, checks are in there um, in this new arrangement to make sure that the money is being spent properly? Within our current arrangements and, and ongoing future arrangements, from my understanding, so the, the, I haven't got the details on the future arrangement. We've asked for the... Uh, package, I guess, the, the, uh, the proposal package. So we put in an expressions of interest as the terminology they're using. So we said, yes, we want to be added to that 10-year funding agreement. We don't automatically get it. And then we get the package and we apply for said agreement. So in terms of how we currently run things and moving forward, I suspect it's going to be the same. Um, there are caps on salaries. You get a 10% administration in post-secondary student support program. So office space, pens, salary, uh, meeting expenses, travel, all of that's confined within 10% of the budget. I can't spend more than 10% of that budget. So they look at each of those line items separately. The program spend is 90% of that said dollar, so I think last year was $6 million. 90% of that would have to go to um, program dollars, so that goes directly to membership. And 10% is used for operations and maintaining that money. So salaries, and mm -hmm. rent, uh, those kinds of things, equipment. Uh, right now, the way um, information is provided to members on finances is through the financial reports that are given out um, at the annual general meeting. Um, <clears throat> at the AG, at the meeting in September of this year, people, I assume, will get the audited financial statements as of uh, March 31, uh, 2018. And they get all the you know the the various line items on there. Will reporting to members change as a result of this uh, new arrangement? No, absolutely not. Uh, the, the reporting to membership is protected under the Financial Management Act, the First Nations Financial Management Act. That's the act that instilled that requirement, and uh, and I I uh, I truly and hundred percent support that reporting. I think we need to be reporting. So I'm, I have no, no issue, even if they said to me you don't have to, I have no, I have no interest in not reporting, at least annually, to, to membership. That, that's not a problem. The Financial Management Act is protected. Uh, an interesting layer, actually, 
to, to bolster that, to reassure our membership um, and your listeners. Actually, the, fin- the First Nations Financial Management Act also has a carrot. It has a stick. There is a transparency element of it. You have to show your statements every year or you're not in compliance, and so there's a stick. But it also has a, a, a carrot that they dangle, and that's the, um, there's a First Nation Financial Management Board. So if you go through a certain rigor and, and you go through a certification process, uh, once you're certified through this FMB, this board, then you can access uh, lending for the First Nation for economic development or for buying new buildings, whatever you need to do. You can access dollars from the federal government at a, at a much reduced interest rate and you get more flexible repayment, things of that nature. So there's a huge benefit to your economic development arm to be able to access this money instead of borrowing from the Royal Bank or from TD or whomever. You can borrow, from, you can borrow bigger chunks of change from this FMB, from this board. Um, you're getting it at sovereign rates. So the, rating, the rates are much different. The reason that I think the membership is reassured in that is that act and that board and that certification is built into this 10-year uh, funding agreement. So, if, so First Nations that are on board with the FMB certification and are FMB certified are eligible for this 10-year funding. So you're fully in compliance. You're using much more rigorous financial laws than, than are regularly required. Your reporting is, is up to par and you're more fully transparent in order to get the certification. And in order for you to get the 10-year funding, you have to be certified. Right. So there is, uh, it sounds like there are very muscular requirements for, for reporting to uh, the funder. Uh, the Financial Management Board gets information um, about, uh, about what you're doing with, with the money. Uh, do you think in this new arrangement, because the band has more control over the money, that there is, um, if not a legal, then you know, perhaps a, a more responsibility to increase transparency to the members uh, in terms of what the money is being spent for? Because you know, not, not everyone is trained in reading uh, audited financial statements, and you know, there are not that many lines and not much detail. So can you see uh, any changes be made in the way that information is communicated to members? There's definitely the mandate of the board, the FMB um, board itself, is to make sure that, that that accounting is there. But it has to be to the membership. That's their first and fundamental uh, pro- um, priority. Because that, that board is actually made up of First Nations. So it's, a, it's an at-length at organization that looks after the money for the government in terms of approving these loans and doing the certification, but it is First Nations helping First Nations. So it is very much that, and the mandate is to transparency to, the, to our membership. So absolutely protected there. In terms of future um, trans, uh, transparency or future reporting, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen the detailed package. It hasn't arrived yet. So they haven't worked out all of the, the nuts and bolts of this program so we understand fully what the reporting uh, requirements are going to be. Uh, we fully anticipate they're going to be probably more rigorous than that we're currently faced with and uh, we're certainly open to that. No problems. We're actually trying to make some steps internally as well because I do recognize that some of the language that's required for, for uh, Indigenous Services Canada's reports, you consolidate a lot of information and they use some terminology and some schedules there that are confusing to some members. Um, and it's confusing to me. And I have some financial background, you know, in terms of formal training. So, um, so in that, we're trying to find ways of making the reporting a little more um, user-friendly. So, using more graphic-based reporting mechanisms and things of that nature um, to to tell the story, tell a more complete story without uh, losing people in numbers. Hmm. Are some First Nations already operating under this new arrangement? 
No, well, no one, no one as of yet. The model that has been tested uh, was Miyavokek. So, Fukan River has been on a grand system, but they're uniquely on a grand system. It's fairly unique in Canada. There could be one other, maybe on. So, I'm not saying that with 100% certainty. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out and bet all the money on Keith's answer to that question. But uh, from my general understanding, Miyavokek has a very unique relationship, and in, in terms of they were one of the first ones to go to this model. And they talked about, in a recent meeting in Halifax, they did talk about the Miyavokek experience as that's where we want to go with this and then expand it and help, help First Nations go for a little bit, maybe even hopefully a little further down the road than the Miyavokek has. So um, that's the only one right now that is there. There are, there are several First Nations that are already FMB certified. We made a conscious decision uh, prior to our last AGA that we were going to move down the road and... Uh, Towards FMB certification, so they have added us to the to the registers call, or we're on the schedule, I should say, not the register. So we're added to the schedule now. So we're working with the FMB to become FMB certified uh, in advance, not even really understanding the relationship that would have with the ten-year grant. We just felt it was where we needed to be, so we're already working towards that ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, and when would this be in place? So we're uh, we're coming up uh, to the annual general meeting in September. And, of course, the, the end of your financial year will be March of uh, 2019, I guess. So are you anticipating that starting April 1, 2019, you'll be on this uh, new system? Yes, the anticipation is that we're going to be able to apply. We've got the, uh, the expression of interest in, uh, and we're going to start that process now. So actually we have um, uh, FMB is coming down to do a workshop with us around uh, rigors, around the financial administrative law, so the, the financial bylaws. Um, and then um, we look at our financial bylaws and make sure they're rigorous enough. Uh, and if they're not rigorous enough, then we add layers that the, uh, f uh, the financial administrative law requires us to have in there in order to be FMB certified. And, uh, and we'll add that element that can be in a pending document so it doesn't countervail our, our uh, financial bylaws because that needs a referendum. I need to have an election. I need to, to make a change. The membership needs to vote on a change to our financial bylaws. So this second set of rules will be more rigorous. They can't be any less rigorous. We have to do at least what the financial bylaws state, but we can do more. We can be a little tighter. Mm -hmm. And that's what this will bring, more, more controls. And in terms of the, uh, of the money, uh, do, you, do you know, uh, I mean, it's hard to know how much money you're going to need over, over 10 years. Um, so are you anticipating that, uh, well, I guess funding will have to increase because costs will increase. So do you know, do you know the, si or the size of the pot that you'll be getting for this 10-year period? We don't know the exact number. That's a, that's a decision they make on a nation-by-nation -nation basis. So it depends on the size of your nation, the scope of what our uh, plan would be, our, our work plan, what, what we plan to accomplish and what programs we plan to implement and how we plan to implement them. Um, we do, in some budgets, the, the post-secondary student support program, for example, we, we do have uh, an increase for cost of living adjustment, so you get a couple percent extra a year. Almost um, every year we've been getting that. Uh, other programs don't get that. Some other programs, the IRA, the uh, Indian Registration Administration, doesn't get an increase every year, other year, or every year of 2%. So some programs have increases built in for cost of living adjustments. Some don't. So this new model will factor that in as well. So we may see, you'll see a, a loosening of or more of a self-direction, self-governance given to the First Nation, but at the same time to an understanding of today's monetary realities and inflationary increases in there over the 10-year life cycle. 
So we'll know that in advance and we can plan. We're very excited about it. Halibut band manager Keith Goulding. That's it for the show. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time is with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio. Tune in on the Voice of Bombay in Norris Point and Rocky Harbor. And in St. John's. Catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.